Welcome back to Time with Attackers, where we continue our conversation with Jeremy and Ferris, who run some of the fastest time attack Corvettes in North America. Number one goal is to be the fastest right. car in right. every event that we go to in North America. That, that you know, whether that's possible or not, you know, that's, that's besides the point, but that is, that, that is and will be our goal to every time we go to the track in North America, on North American soil, soil to be that's the a, fastest and the overall time I mean, attack record. Well, like how other people and other, you know, in, in forms of racing is, like, they think about just going out and, and making laps and our goals here are, are to be the fastest. Like we don't care how many laps we run. We just want to know that we, we were the fastest and, uh, it's, it's funny how other people just can't really comprehend that. Like, you know, I put up a, fo- uh, a post on Facebook the other day and they're like, well, you're not going to be able to do more than, than, than a couple laps in that car. I was like, yeah, I know that that's the point. I, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to go out there and, <laughs> and run laps. I, I want to go out there and be the <laughs> fastest guy there. And, uh... <laughs> yeah. We're yeah. not running the code of 500. Uh, We're running the that's awesome. Lap code. That's right. Yeah. Well, and it's crazy when you think about it. Like when we started Time Attack, you know, many years ago, the cars were fast, but they were nowhere near as fast as they are now. And then like last season, you know, we go to tracks and we go to Road America first time ever as a Time Attack organization. And, you know, you had Will and Jim basically trading overall production records at the track, right? To the point where the track officials didn't even believe that the times yeah, were yeah. being run were actually being run, right? Like it, it, that to me blows my mind that, you know, a bunch of people who are basically working out of, you know, little small shops, you know, we're not big organizations by any means are able to get these times that, you know, huge manufacturers are spending, you know, millions of dollars to you know build these cars to get to that, you know, to those uh, times. Just it blows my mind. It, yeah. it really does. It, it's so cool to see um, what, mm-hmm. what we've been able to do, to be honest. Agree. Jeremy, tell us a little bit about what's happening with your car. I see that uh, we're not going to be, uh, you're not going to have synchronized. <laughs> well, that's to be determined anymore. at this point. I sold my old transmission in, in preparation for this new one, but uh, this whole thing going on right now is kind of putting a little delay in that. So currently it's uh, one Jeremy power getting pushed around the shop. <laughs> but um, I've got, right now it's getting a cage in it for months. So you're probably wondering, uh, you're telling me it didn't have a cage in it? Uh, yeah, it didn't have a cage in it. <laughs> and you're telling me Ferris is still not putting it a cage in his? <laughs> a little baby one. But, um, yeah, it's, it's getting a cage finally, and otherwise that's about it. It's just uh, we're working with Samsonis sequential transmissions to get the tasty little six-speed sequential in that thing and hoping to be able to still run up near the front of the pack with you guys and I guess we'll see what happens. That's super exciting. What what will your net weight be like after you, uh, you know, a lot of times you can, there's a lot of cutting you can do on a car when you're putting a cage in it. Do you think you'll be able to get it to be uh, uh, as light as it was? It should be about what it was last season? year because I've removed some other weight. Um, I put in a lightweight battery and um, got rid of a few other things. The new transmission is maybe 40 pounds lighter than the old one. So, but we're putting a cage in it wow. too, so I'm, it should wow. about equal out, if not maybe a little heavier than it was. 
Yeah, it's the power same. plant is going to stay uh, largely the same. Some new fresh head gaskets, which, you know, <laughs> it's not going to be worth anything, but uh, hopefully it keeps fluids where they're supposed to be. Um, otherwise, yeah, it's pretty much all the same so far. I, uh, I guess the next step would be to find some way to shove air inside of it and... I sure hope I don't have to do that. I don't want to get into the horsepower wars with you guys. I'd like to find a different way. I've been working on my driving on iRacing all off-season here, so hopefully I can just drive better and, and get there that way. But we'll see. And ni- nitrous is not legal. I don't know. We'll have to maybe make that track. change because I feel like that might be my, my only chance if, uh, if, if I need it. <laughs> but... Uh, I think it's it? I think it's legal in limited now, okay. but I don't think it's legal in track mod. I, I, I can't remember. I know one of the series, I think they made it. Like, I think it's, it's legal. definitely legal in um, limited, but, I don't but think both. it's not legal for like any size V8 pretty much. Yeah. They put a, like a, a cap on it as far as how big the, the motor could actually oh. be. Um, yeah, I was looking, I was reading up on it the other day oh, really? and I was like, God darn it. Why can't I <laughs> run some nitrous? <laughs> I've been trying because, to get you know you need you need an LS I mean, you never know five and happen, some spray right? yeah, coming over up. here from Australia with freaking a thousand horsepower like it's, you never know yep yeah I'm I'm interested to see I mean I was I was really interested to see what that car was going to do on the straightaways at uh, Coda it was it was unfortunate that they had the transmission blow up. Um, and to have it so thing, early too, it's so yeah, disappointing. Because that thing hauls at at uh, at World Time Attack. I'm always blown away by how fast. Well, even with that, on that, that stock it's, transmission, it's pretty, they put in, crazy. It, and like they were on a lower boost setting too. It still did like 175 or something. Like <laughs> that's insane. That's crazy. So they were estimating because I talked to those guys quite a bit and um, that car goes something like 290 kilometers an hour at the front straight at Eastern Creek, which is something like 180 miles an hour or just under. And that's a quite a, not near the length of the straightaway as it is at a road Atlanta or Coda. Uh, they were talking Jeez. about 200 mile per hour uh, mark. They were thinking that it might Jeez. be close to that. So that would have been. Thanks uh, for them. Can you imagine shipping your car from halfway across the world and, uh, getting what a half a lap in it and then wrapping it up for the weekend. Oh, it's brutal. And, and I was, I was surprised by them. Um, you know, we've had knock on wood, we've had fairly good luck with the, the K series motors. Um, but we have broken a ton of transmissions and they had their spare engine there, but they didn't have a spare transmission. And that was such a shame because if you've got a spare transmission there, at least turn the power down. Um, and throw it in, you know, you'll be ready in two hours or so, right? But to, to have nothing there and then to end up putting an open diff, you know, five-speed gearbox in. It's yeah, like, uh, I mean, uh, it's kind of, Will had kind the of same problem, right? His traveled that far. broke on session two or three, I think, of of, of day one as well. Uh, but... Yeah, same with ours last year. We broke on session three last year and, you know, struggled to find any more time the next Honest. day. It's a hard track on cars. I mean, it's a long, it's a long lap. There's a lot of, a lot of, you know, tight corners. I feel like where you're kind of getting 
back on the throttle and I'm not surprised I think every that time I, I go there my car breaks something on sure. my car fails every single time it sucks yep yep yeah, especially for the front wheel drive cars because you have so many of those corners where they kind of they almost like bent like they're v corners right like they bend back on themselves so you know trying to get power to the ground on a front wheel drive car it's difficult and uh i would imagine it's putting a lot of strain on that transmission yeah if you look at just photos every like the car is always loaded up in a weird way it's never what you would think right like every time i see a photo of my car there it's always like why is it doing that what 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 the heck is it doing right there Uh, yeah yeah so Ferris, tell us one one last question before we we get wrapped up here. Ferris, tell us how are you going to keep a thousand of the horsepower? Well, that's where the cool nitrous was. Corvette. What are you, you going to do to keep that was. thing cool? But no, I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that cools the intake charge, but I, I don't know no if that cools the water temperature. Uh, it's you know, I I kind of the the PPG sequential. I I thought seeing my my temperature spike maybe was caused maybe by that because i run the uh the the uh transmission in and radiator together cooling wise so i was like okay well maybe maybe if i separate those but you know after talking to ppg they're like no way that thing's not running you know that hot so that that was kind of my plan was separate cooling that way um the way i have my car now is you know besides the radiator and transmission cooling together um i i have oil separated where i have two dual mount oil coolers on either side of the car so i'm hoping you know with that i have put fans on those i'm directing more air to it um you know i hope oily oil stays cool but as far as the radiator and and water temps go um that's going to be an issue as of right now because you know i am blocking it with an intercooler and you know i it's the easiest way that I could think of to, to get it going right now. Um, I might try to do a V mount if this doesn't work out. Uh, but you know, honestly, I have no idea. I'm just like winging it, hoping that, you know, it's going to get enough. Um, I'm trying to duct it as best as possible, but it's kind of uncharted territory. There's not really anybody that I know that's running a twin turbo Corvette road yeah. racing really. So it's, it's kind of uncharted that way. What do you Honda boys run into IAT problems? Uh, we don't I, typically have a lot of IAT problems. It's just um, you know because you have so much intercooler typically mounted in front of your radiator, right? It, it's usually always water temp problems. Now Chris has an upper grill in his car, which has always helped his setup quite a bit. Um, but uh, in the Integra. It doesn't have that same upper grill. Back in the day, we used to, we cut a hole in one of my bumpers and sent some some air directly to the uh, the radiator, and that helped a lot. But with our aero package now, we're weren't really willing to do that. So uh, um, I think the one main thing is is if you've got those coolers stacked in front of each other, uh, make sure that the intercooler is mounted in a way that there's still going to be um, a good amount of fresh air getting directly at the rad. Like where, however you have to mount the intercooler up, down, side, side, whatever, make sure that there's still, you know, a good, um, you know, four inches or, or at least of, of uninterrupted air getting to the radiator and make sure that that part, uh, of the air charge is, uh, or not charge, but that part of the, 
the air coming in the front of the car is ducted well, um, ducted well in and, you know, potentially out or at least have, you know, really good hood venting and stuff like that. Because if you block the whole, um, you know, all the fresh air to the radi- the radiator with uh, with an intercooler, so with that, being that said, car's not going uh, to want to be able to my, my my intercooler lap, is, is set up, with, has two inlets on the bottom. They create with the tanks a little opening. I'd say maybe it's like, you know, two, three inches from the core. So, I mean, that could be a way where I could space the intercooler up off, yep. off the, the splitter a hair to get kind of like a 20-inch long by three-inch high opening and have that ducted straight to the to the radiator. Um, but... The more, the more you can have, the better, because that car with as low a boost as you're going to be running um, to get your power goals, I don't foresee intake air charge being much of a problem. Um, I foresee the, the water temp problem to be much more of an issue, because if you're, you know, if you, if you said, you know, um, Mike Dussold, how much power did you say he had to, or how much boost did he need, need to yeah, like make seven, 900 horsepower or something like that, eight pounds or 10 pounds or something? Yeah, like those turbos that you put on there, you know, they're ready to party to 30 pounds. They're not going to create big heat probably until, you know, well into the 20s. So if you're running those things at 10, 12 pounds of boost or something like that, the intake air charge is going to be really, really cool. So the more you can space that intercooler up and give that radiator a clear intake yeah. charge, the, other the, better, like a, a the better time or, you're going to have. the radiator down and, and put the intercooler kind of like uh, perpendicular with the hood, just nice and flat up there. Um you know, there's a couple ideas I have. I just don't know which one is actually going to work. Uh, you know, currently, I've been having cooling problems just with the current engine that's in it and a, and uh, that's because I, you know, I did hurt it. But um, you know, the, I couldn't even make a lap at Coda the other week or you know month without it overheating. Um, so you know, I have that already in my mind where I don't want to deal with that. But you know, having so much crap to fit in such a small package is uh is proven to be a little bit you know difficult but um i would uh, my my you know my recommendation would be uh bring alternatives that was the biggest thing that that we learned um so even like this year uh you know we, we put a different front end on the car it was a drag front end we lost the upper grill opening um, but we, you know, came to the track with like a plan of, Hey, if the car starts running too hot, like here are the couple of things we're going to do. We're going to cut the hole open. Uh, we're going to drill holes here. We're going to, you know, we brought a couple of different ducks with us to try to feed air into where we needed it to be. Um, and yeah, it's really kind of the best way. Like even if you can get out testing and just bring as much stuff with you to the track as you possibly can and keep track of what the ambient temperature is because that seems to play a big factor like for us we can close off our upper grill at the beginning of the season like when we're running even when we go to Atlanta in may it's, it's still pretty cool usually when we're running in the morning it's not a big problem but then when you get to some of the events like even midwest and you know south where it's like you know you know 100 degrees plus you know 75 percent uh humidity you got to have basically all the all the tricks available to you, right? Do you guys and, stack uh, your your intercooler? That, that's probably all you do. I would probably recommend there. Between them. Yeah. There's a small air gap uh, between ours. I'd say it's probably about uh, two inches, but it's 
fully ducted. So the, the the radiator, the intercooler, the intercooler to the actual opening at the front of the of the bumper, there's there's no air gaps anywhere. The only where the only place where we have an air gap, at least on our car, is that upper grill area. We haven't ducted that to the radiator just because we haven't really found our car runs pretty cool, so we don't we don't really have too many issues in that area. Um, but that 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 ducting for the intercooler and then from the intercooler to the radiator, I think is pretty important. The other option you could look at, which is, you know, not an easy thing to do right now. Yeah, you know, and I, man, I played around that idea so drag. much. And Jeremy knows last year that was kind of my thing where I wanted to do that. Um, but I'm finding after talking to some drift guys, they're having issues keeping it, it cool, just drifting. Um, if you're going to, if you're going to, the problem is, is the way they do it is, is, you know, they do it. Um, they're not so worried about going straight. So theirs are just usually open. They're not worried about a high speed. They're using fans to, to do it and stuff like that. If you want to talk to someone about making a rear radiator work, you go and talk to professional awesome because those guys have had that rear rad in that car for like six seasons. Um, they've got that figured out. They have gone through, you know, revisions and stuff like that. And they have got that car to the point where they can run laps in that car with the rad in the back. You know, and it keeps their, their frontal opening really small in the front, mm-hmm. allows them to make lots of downforce and stuff like that. So um, if you if you want to, you know, explore that at some point, talk to those guys. The exit is so important to having a rear rad work well. Every, almost everyone gets their rear rad or rear rear exit wrong for the radiators. And, uh, and that's why most of them, most people kind of abandon it and, and give it up because they don't have the exit in the right spot. If you get the exit in the right spot, uh, the diffuser and the rear wing and stuff will yeah. actually help suck the air right out of the back of the radiator. Yeah. So and that it, might it have to be, it the, can be done. You just, you know, it if just this doesn't to, work out in front at happen. all, that might have to be the way I've been talking with Mike quite a bit back and forth in, uh, Facebook messages. So I might have to bring that up to him. Packaging in the Corvette might be a little bit more difficult than, uh, you know, having a transmission and your differential and all that stuff back there and not a trunk. Yeah, yeah. if I remember correctly, they are bringing in air from the rear doors, right? Ducted to the radiator. Yeah, that's, I think. Correct. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it gets, it gets, gets a little bit harder, I think, on the Corvette, especially with that that hatchback and it's it's hard to pull air from from the rear of the car and then get it to actually come out as well um but mike's a pretty crafty guy though he might be able to come up with some ideas you know whether whether you're getting some off the roof or or Speaking whatever of combination roof, of a little bit off just the roof put a roof rack on it skins. and then mount that sucker on the roof rack straight up and down all <laughs> the air you could ever want <laughs> <laughs> you could also glorious. do what Pratt, you could do what Pratt and Miller did with the C5s and put the fan in the back. They had that huge transmission um, uh, radiator and fan assembly in the rear yeah. bumper on the C5. I, that's uh, one that of they, my inspirational that pictures into, that I have on I my desktop cool. is that car uh, with that fan setup. Um, but yeah. I kept coming back to they're using yeah. it to cool transmission and not radiator. So that's where I was like. You know, you know, maybe it didn't work from that for them. You know, maybe they they tried it and it, yep. it didn't work out. Um, but I mean, I don't know. 
the other idea that I've seen like some of the rally guys use back in the day, and uh, I was talking to somebody about this a, a few weeks ago, is the uh, the misters on the intercooler yeah. and the radiator. So basically, like what Subaru and uh, and Mitsubishi used to do, is they basically just take the windshield washer nozzles, and you get like three or four of those, and you run like a small amount of uh, yeah. water and methanol, and you spray that right onto the radiator and onto the intercooler. And it just gives you that extra little bit of heat transfer and it can make the world a difference and bring, you know, those, and that's uh, a, that's a great idea. And I, I kind of, uh, my buddy, Alex Pites, he's talking about, you know, meth injection and, you know, kind of cooling the, the intake air temps. And in my mind, I was like, well, let's just spray the bitch. Like, you know, like let's, let's, let's actually spray it on it and not in it. Um, because I've also yep. seen and, and heard of bad things as far as it going, you know, spraying inside, uh, you know, as far as what it does to the internals. Um, and, but as I was just thinking, you know, actually spray the coolers themselves. Uh, but again, I mean, I don't know too much about this, you know, path I'm going down. Um, so I, I'm, I'm sure there'll be a, a learning curve and, you know, it's going to, you guys had any firsthand experience with that, with uh, spraying the coolers themselves, or hear of anybody? <laughs> I, I I've done it on street setups before. So we used to spray methanol on intercoolers for a lot of the street and like drag cars oh. um, that we used to work on, and it worked actually really well for dropping IATs. Like we could get cars that were basically borderline like needing new intercoolers mm -hmm. like bigger intercoolers and just by spraying the intercoolers with like that meth uh water and meth setup you could drop ieds anywhere from mm -hmm. like 20 to 30 degrees um which is like crazy for for like a street car or like a drag car um jim has a really unique experience with spraying methanol into the motor terrible you i just want you to good. put more radiators in it because man that shit did not work at all for me we we tried on his car to spray meth to try to cool uh he was having some crazy iats when he first went turbo and uh we were running pure meth and spraying it and i remember being there at the shop when he was on the dyno they had drilled out the jets for the methanol uh, injectors we were spraying we were... so much meth that when the blow-up valve went off, everybody's <laughs> eyes were burning. And it's still, like, IATs were, like, you know, through the roof, right? But the, the, we, we had a poorly designed uh, we had a poorly designed turbo manifold oh. that was just creating back pressure like crazy. And that thing would do 180-degree air intake temperatures um, after three pulls back-to-back. -back, and it would, it would, like, lose 60-wheel horsepower every pull. Uh, and it just, like, it could not make any power. And... Uh, we thought we'll try a water meth kit and, and spray it pre intercooler and kind of use the intercooler like a heat sink. Um, so we started with water meth and the jets that it came with, with two jets, um, didn't cool it down. So then we tried straight meth. We drained the tank, put straight methanol in it, tried it again, didn't do anything, <laughs> drilled both the jets out with like an eighth inch drill bit and we're spraying like a stupid, stupid amount of methanol in that intercooler and uh you know to the point where it was changing the tune drastically and stuff like that and the moral of the story was is if you have problems with your you know turbo manifold and stuff like that creating back pressure which i know uh, the way that that v8 is i'm sure it's not going to be the case but uh it, it, it wouldn't do anything it didn't care it made more power with the methanol like that 
but the thing was still getting out of the control intake air temps and water temps at that point. So we scrapped the whole setup and that's when unit two fabrication, Mitch um, built the new manifold and we've never had any need for anything like that. And since we have basically, you know, just the hair over ambient and air intake temperatures at all times. now. I have one last question, but the one last, the one last idea I had uh, about the radiator thing was uh, I know that life with the GTR, when they go to Pike's peak, they run three rads. They run one in the front and they run two in the back in each, you know, they have those weird little grill openings in the, uh, in the back bumper and they want run uh, a smaller rad in each corner like that. And I think some of the Porsche turbos run three rads across the front. So, uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily sound like the, maybe the proper way to do it, but Hey, if you can get yeah. that car to run cool, I, mean, I could always go know, back to the whatever. Old bumper cool setup where cool, I had right? these two giant openings on either corner. Um, you know, that's kind of in, in the back of my mind. I don't want to do it cause I like to how, you know, aerodynamically efficient this new setup is. Uh, but I think, you know, th- there are options. I do have some really small radiators that, uh, are sitting at my buddy's shop that we might be able to come into play and use in, in the corners like that. Um, but at the same time, I kind of want to keep the car as light as possible, you know? So it's like, uh, I don't want to add a bunch of crap in the car that I'm already adding. And, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, it kind of has to stay cool. Otherwise you can't even run it. Yeah. And, and our intercooler radiator combination on the front of the Integra probably weighs, it's crazy. It's very, very heavy. It's big, heavy, thick. It probably weighs over 60 pounds for the rat in the intercooler. Um, so, you know, it's the main thing is to be able to get out there and turn some laps. If, if that thing's overheating, um, it doesn't matter how aerodynamically efficient or anything like that. And the, and the thing that I was going to compare to aerodynamically efficient, which is shocking that they do it. But if you look at the front opening on the CanJam black STI, they are, it's, it's a very, very open front end. And they kind of think the same way as they want that engine staying cool. They don't want to have problems like that. Yeah. And thus, because of it, they run a very, very large frontal opening on that car. So um, it's good to be able to keep it as small as possible, but you can always open it up and tape it back up again if you know if you have a session where it's staying cool enough. But it's nice to be able to, to pull that tape off or whatever and have, you know, to be able to go out on that last session in the afternoon on a Sunday or whatever, when you feel like How is your guys left a bunch uh, of time on the table without, the you know, not I mean, being able to finish the Does it benefit you that the majority of the weight is on the front of the car? <laughs> <sighs> that's, that's a long story that I don't think anyone can answer effectively. Um, yes, I'm sure it's great for putting power down in some ways, but also, it makes the car understeer like a pig, and if you have a bunch of steering angle in it, uh, you can't put the power down efficiently. So that's a that's a tough one. Different people have different opinions. I don't prefer having a lot of extra weight on the front. You know, if it was if it was you know if it was easier, I would consider putting the radiator in the back and stuff like that to try to get weight balance better. Because I believe that if you can have a more neutral chassis um, that is not understeering so bad in the middle of a corner. Um, Yes, the weight on the front will help put the power down. But if the if you have weight on the front with the tires turned on a front wheel drive car, the t- the power doesn't get put down very well when mm-hmm. the, when you have steering lock into it. Still, so you want to get those wheels as straight as possible as soon as possible to be able to put the power this, down. But they run uh, uh, so, those plastic caster wheels in the back is what they run <laughs> on those Hondas. So. 
<laughs> like the McDonald's trays. That's we just yeah. throw some McDonald's we'll trays on the rear tires. We need new ones for every we'll session. Yeah, yeah. I I literally I don't have to change my rear tires for the whole season. Them a rear set of tires for me will basically go from beginning of the season to the end, and sometimes even wow. multiple seasons. I've run rears for two seasons sometimes. Um, not a lot of stuff going on back there. <laughs> you guys, uh, are you guys happy with your front wheel drive choice? I am. I think, I, I honestly think, I think for time attack, especially for some of the higher power level, I think there is, um, a yep. benefit to front wheel drive. I don't think that it's, it's necessarily better, but I, I do yeah. think there are yeah. some advantages. You guys are obviously fast. Um, and I, I yeah, it's, it hasn't been terrible. I mean, it's worked pretty well, and uh, I've, I I kind of like doing something different. Uh, so it, it's been nice to learn how to make these cars work, whereas I think if we would have started with a rear-wheel drive car um, or even an all-wheel drive car, I feel like it's a lot easier to just kind of get fat. Like, the setups are well-known there, and uh, I feel like I probably would have stopped at some point because the challenge would have kind of gone away and I would have been like, okay, I'm, I'm yeah. done with this. I got to go on to something else. Whereas with the, these cars, I still don't think we have it figured out. I, I still think we're, we're leaving a lot of time there, just even in setups and, and things like that areas that we haven't focused on. So I think uh, I'm sure. there's, there's more to come for sure. Jeremy, in response to your question, uh, I, I would, I don't want to say I absolutely regret, really? um, but I would have built a hundred percent. If I could do it again, I would build an unlimited I would build an unlimited class Corvette. I would not think twice about it. I would do it slightly different. Um, I would work harder on an NA package. I would want to look at like what NASCAR was doing four or five years ago when they were getting to the 10,000 RPM, 950 Mm -hmm. horsepower stuff back then. Um, Because I would want to look at having the smallest frontal opening possible. No intercoolers, no extra coolers, no nothing. Like those cars, um, you know, when, when they were at their peak for power, they were running super high water temp sometimes in qualifying super small you know super small and sometimes no frontal opening um and that would be the direction that i would want to go you know if i could only make uh 850 wheel na so be it you know if you could make a bit more cool uh but you know with the amount of money that has been spent trying to make power and transmissions and everything like that on the integra um, i think that a person could spend quite a bit on an engine package and still end up being, you know, maybe not as crazy in the long run. And definitely, you know, you could be lighter and, and yeah. everything like that. So um, I think there's a lot of room for aerodynamics. And I think that an NA, um, a, you know, a, an unlimited class build NA C6 Z06 could be really, really light, massive tires, crazy room for crazy aero. Um, and I think that if you made, 850 wheel horsepower NA with you know well, well, quite a bit of development. About your, uh, your I don't think that that's a car that's going to be in North America. America. So we can kind of <laughs> make make something happen here because uh, yeah, I want to do that. <laughs> but not with the <laughs> I uh, I just think that that was crazy. Like those guys were doing that with, you know, three, what do they do? Three fifty eights or something like that in NASCAR. And they were making, um, over 900 flywheel horsepower. So if you said, 
to an engine builder, you know, it can be a dart block. It can be whatever, like it can be 550 cubic inches. It doesn't matter. You know, I want to make 850 wheel. I want to make 900 wheel. Um, let's figure this out. I think that that would be, uh, I think that would be, uh, Kevin Wesley was just talking about that. He's like, you know, those NASCAR engines aren't that expensive. Even like the old Roush engines aren't really that expensive. I think he was saying under 10 grand, you can get. Exactly. Cause that all that stuff, that stuff is all defunct now. They can't use any of that stuff anymore. So it's not, it's not crazy. And in, in a lot of the smaller oval track series, you know, the class super late models, they some of those classes don't have much of an engine rule and there's a lot of those old nascar engines that have ended up in yep. those in those cars so you know it's but i would be inclined to say if you're building a not a no expense to spare but like a you know a high dollar unlimited class build i wouldn't be looking at an old nascar motor because it's like why do you want to build a 360 cubic inch motor when there's no rules on cubic inches like what can they do with a you know with an aftermarket block motor that's 550 cubic yeah. inches like surely you could make way more power than that if we yep. I think like uh, that. usually cubic inch just makes the difference is where you're making the power it's it's all flow how much air can you get in through the intake and the heads and with the Corvette getting uh, getting the air to turn through like a single plane intake is proving to be an issue so Ferris and I are still running plastic intakes which are great all around but they peter out at 6200 rpm and uh, whereas I mean if with the cubic inches we have, if we could maintain that flow, um, these things could make a lot more jam. At, you know, if you run them to eat that. Well, that's 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 part of it. Well, that's part of it. Yeah, that's part of it. They don't fit under the hood you know? now to try to you know better airflow in and, and get it feed it what it needs. But I don't think I've seen it. I mean, I, I've I've literally done back to back dyno tests, and I mean, I I can't get it to to flow what it wants. Um, and I don't know. So does it have to would it would it have to be like a non LS based engine to make the like I know that there's drag cars that make crazy, yeah it wouldn't I'm not saying it has to be a non LS um, but like uh, the big thing is just what intake you can run and packaging concerns with the Corvette with the low hood and getting that air to make a 90 degree turn and then go into the engines so I think if you went NASCAR style having you know their I single single plane intake with uh, the fancy carburetor style throttle body. Uh, and then just finding a way to I make sure that. that air gets there is going to be the way to go. But yeah, for sure. Either way, yeah. that's a that's a cool idea. So you guys have all figured out my recipe now. That would that would be what <laughs> I would do because I think that if you had a twenty five hundred pound Corvette that made eight hundred and fifty wheel and made three or four thousand pounds of downforce and uh, you know had next to no frontal opening, I don't see. I don't see what kind of car yeah, in North America is going to beat that car. That sounds like a pretty ever. good recipe, uh, and especially now, like the the next the next generation platform for NASCAR, they're going to have sequentials and all that stuff. Think of all the stuff you're going to be able to buy in the next year or two from you know the the, the cars mm-hmm. that they can't use anymore. You could pick up you know four speed transmissions, which are basically indestructible, and probably a bunch of used mm-hmm. engines as well too. Like it, it, it you know, definitely I a good time to, to get into that. Sheets. The only problem is right now is they've limited all the the power the last couple of years, Chris. So the, they're all kind of duds now. They make like 550 horsepower no. compared to you know a few years ago they were making 400 more than. That. I'm I'm pretty sure you could take the motor, you could send it to Roush and be like, okay, unlock this a little bit, just like you know freshen it up, and it'd still probably be less than what we're <laughs> spending on all of our you know fancy sequential transmissions and arrow and all that stuff. 
Um, hey, I don't know last question, guys. The other thing is, is those guys. Uh, so were, um, along yeah, those ahead. lines, do you guys regret doing what we're doing? I mean, we're all super deep into these cars, and uh, Borsma and I were racing high racing the other day with Porsche GT4s. We're like, you know, we could own one of these and just have an awesome street car that you can drive on the track. But instead, we've got these, you know, these race car turds that do one thing. I I think that if you have the budget to do it. There's nothing quite like running uh, a really fast time attack lap. I think that it's fantastic. And I think that it's important to choose a class that fits your budget. And unfortunately, in Unlimited, I did not choose a class that fit my budget. Um, you know, what's what's happened with Northern Speed has been great. They want to keep me driving. That's fantastic. Um, GLTC fits my budget. And uh, the amount of fun that I had at Coda in, in the TSX was, was unbelievable. Um, I think that if I would have stuck it out in, in track mod um, with the Integra. You know, I don't even know if I would have ever been thinking about down the path of GLTC as much because it would have been something that suited um, my budget better. But uh, things got out of hand and unlimited. And, um, you know, it was just, uh, it was too much for I me. Yeah, I, I feel the same. I, yeah, I, I love, I love those GT4s, and I'm not going to lie. Every time I race it in iRacing, I'm like, man, why, why the hell didn't I get one of these over, over you know, what I've spent on the Civic? Uh, but then I also think about on the flip side, it, it's not as enjoyable for me just because that, that little bit of me is not in the car. The fact that, you know, yeah. we built these cars and, and there's so much blood, sweat, and tears has kind of gone into it and all the stuff that we've learned. I like that aspect sometimes more even than, than, than what we're doing on track and, and getting to meet all, yeah, all of you I guys. Think that's the biggest just, thing for me, you know, Jim and yep. Eric and all these people. Yeah. Like it, I don't know if you, if you still get that, if you're just going out to lapping days with your, your, board yeah, and, your you know, I, we, we go out with those guys every, every now and then and, and do testing and it, it's not the same yep. vibe. It just really isn't. I, I, I think I'm, I'm happy with my choice for, for myself. Some of the most enjoyable, laps that i've turned have been laps where um you know the guys have been thrashing until the last possible moment and you kind of feel like you don't have any hope to mm -hmm. to achieve what you want to achieve and then you sneak it out in the last session or you sneak it out when you've put a transmission in that doesn't have good ratios or something like that like at road america we struggled all day on the saturday with uh um tune issues we had a wheel speed sensor die that was killing you know activating traction control all the time um we had a, a part in the steering rack kind of come loose and we were just having all these little parts and then you know when abe tells us you're gonna get one lap here go do it and then you go and do it it's like man and it kind of you know it takes me back to 2017 grid life midwest when at the time when we set the overall time attack record um, we were trying to fix a transmission that we didn't end up being able to fix. That was our a box. And at five o'clock in the morning on the Saturday morning, uh, I, I woke up Eric and I was like, they can't fix it. Um, um, we were down at TRE transmissions and I was like, it's, it's unfixable. Uh, we're going to have to put the B box in. I'm like, I don't think that we're going to be able to do what we want to do. Um, but you know, we got to do something anyway, because we hadn't posted the time yet. And, uh, he put that box in. Will goes out, goes 28-4. Um, and I, I didn't even want the timer in that morning. I didn't even know what I did. And they they come over and, the, you know, with with this setup that I did not think was going to be good. 
and they say will will did a 28-4 and I'm like heartbroken I'm like there's no way we're gonna go that fast and and they say but don't worry you did a 27-8 and I'm like you know they literally were finishing the car at you know as we were getting ready to push it out of the of the pit and we like drove it up up to the front and drove it right out on track like it it was finished for 30 seconds before before it needed to be finished and it goes out and says yeah, there's, the there's no the shortage of adversity in time attack here no no you're never no. going to get that feeling in a gt4 cayman right like you're never going to have that like total roller coaster of emotions like just telling that mm-hmm. story gives me goosebumps down my back because i was like there's no chance that anything good is going to happen here and it's like oh wait you know i party and the don't you just love the weekend after that it's a perfectly it was, good car you know so inspiring i mean <laughs> that's my favorite part is like all these corvette guys that love their you know <laughs> corvettes so nice. and porsches and it's like why the heck did you drill a hole in your car why'd you cut the floor out why'd you you know i i personally like just knowing that I destroyed this car single-handedly and I love it. <laughs> I love the thing. Like, you know, <laughs> like people walk up and they're like, why is your duct tape all over there? Like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that duct tape. <laughs> don't worry about it. Yeah. That's, that's where the speed is. That's speed tape, not duct tape. That's right. <laughs> well, guys, I want to thank you so much uh, for being a part of our second episode for our second season. Um, I this went on way longer than I was expecting, but I think we're gonna have to do this in two parts, Chris. I think so, but this, this is awesome. <laughs> like it was such a good conversation. I, I feel like we, we could. I feel like I could keep Easily. going yep. for another hour, but I, I don't want to, you know, steal everybody's day. Um, you know, thanks so much for sharing a little bit about you know what each of you guys are gonna be doing uh this season and and just getting a chance to kind of catch up with you guys and um you know i i hope that uh we can have you guys back on because i think there'll be some good conversations that we can have once the season gets started and we all start let's uh, let's just hope we have a season to look forward to here soon and thank you guys for having us thanks i agree cross guys yeah Mr. Borsma. Hey, how's it going, Dewey? What's up, man? <laughs> I think that's the fastest anybody's joined yet. <laughs> well, I'm not a complete tech noob. <laughs> we had some issues with uh, with Jeremy. Um, he he was on an Android phone, and I like I I, I posted the link in the in the Facebook chat that we had going. And I guess it was, he had the app installed, but it was opening like in the browser in, in the Facebook app or whatever. Yeah. And it wasn't like he couldn't get on the audio. And then I had to like, look at what he, he was like sending me screenshots and had to like fucking diagnose it for him. It was pretty funny. I could see that being rough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because I'm not, I'm definitely not an Android guy. So I was kind of like, you know, Googling while I'm you know looking at the stuff he's sending me and we're like, oh crap. Poor Damn it, boomer! For like, good, like thirty <laughs> minutes, <laughs> we got it figured out. Sweet. So, so uh, how's the crazy time up there in Canada right now? Uh, it's it's not bad. It kind of sucks for me because the car <laughs> is at Eric's, and uh, I'm two hours away from them, so I haven't really been able to get out there. And uh, he he had some people come from South Korea for work a couple of weeks back 
And so he was on like 14 day quarantine. Oh, bummer. And then all this, all this stuff like kind of popped off. And now like, I, I can't, I can't really travel out there. And, yeah. Do uh, they, do, are they doing like, uh, like forced shutdowns and stuff for you guys also? Yeah. Pretty much yeah. anything non-essential is closed yep. Yep. and, uh, limiting gatherings to like no more than five people. You can go places, but like, it's definitely frowned upon and, uh, yeah, that's kind of how it is here. Yeah. They've started ticketing people and I'm just like, you know what? It's not, it's just not worth it. And I don't see Eric, even Eric's like, just don't come please. He's like, I, I don't want to get sick from you. And he's like, I, he, he keeps joking. He's like, I probably have it from the South Koreans. And he's like, I don't even know it. <laughs> yeah, and it, that's just it. It might not even show for him. You know, my well, wife, his, uh, she's working his, for the CDC here. Um, yeah. So she works for, she works for Walmart as a pharmacist normally, but the CDC is using Walmart because Walmart's like everywhere in the U S um, and they're using her to, and a a bunch of her colleagues to do testing. So they're doing mass testing through Walmart. So that's all she's been doing is testing. And it's, she comes home and instantly goes to the shower. We throw all her shit in the, the washroom. Yeah. It's, it's it's uh... a cluster fuck, man. Yeah, my one friend, uh, his his wife is a is a doctor, and uh, she's actually sleeping in the garage. So when she comes home from work, they have like a little like uh, decontamination unit set up in the garage, and then she's got like a little tent in there. Yeah, uh, and then that's just like you know, it's just the way it is because she gets off shift work sometimes like really late and doesn't want to come in wake the kids up, and so yeah, she's basically been sleeping in the garage. It's like holy crap, this is crazy. That's wild. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's the, the unfortunate reality of where we are right now. It sucks, but that's the world we, we live all, in. If we all do our part, hopefully it'll be over faster. And if we don't, then it's just going to go on. We're going to lose more and more of the racing season. And, uh, Dude, that's the you know. thing I, that scares me is how much of the season I'm, am I about to lose? I got a bunch of money I need to spend on the car. And I've been, you know, kind of hesitant just to yeah. keep, give ourselves a buffer. You know, I... I got about realistically, I got about 15 K I want to pour into it. And I just, I want to keep yeah. it in the buffer. Yeah. We're, we're kind of in, like, I'm, we were luckily we were far enough along with the car already that there wasn't really much more that I needed to spend. Yeah. But there were a couple of things that I was like looking at doing that. I just, I, I'm just like, I'm not going to do them right now. Cause I'm like, I, I don't know when we're going to be back on track. And, uh, it could be a while. So it's just like, you know what, we just kind of put things on hold and see how the season unfolds like we may only have maybe one or two months of racing yeah that might be it if that's how how the situation is so i think everybody's just kind of playing it by ear and whatever happens happens what up james how are you doing buddy what's up midwest just got postponed today even though good life haven't announced it yet but i saw that uh that michigan have extended their whatever stuff past uh the beginning of june yeah really we all kind of knew that that was happening oh for sure like yeah the thing that I don't, the thing that, and and we've been trying not to talk about coronavirus too much during the show. Yeah, and I, if, if whatever we can do to, you know, I don't know how you guys start or kick this thing off, but I, it, I would prefer this start. to not. Okay, well, I'd prefer this to not be a coronavirus talk if we could. Oh, for sure. I just for live sure. it, yeah. but so yeah, to, that yeah, just yeah, really sucks. Well, yeah. If you think about a place like Wuhan, where you know, like I know the Northern Speed guys, so I know some of the. Can I just say, Jim? I, I really Yo. like the way you say Wuhan. 
<laughs> Why? How do I say it? it don't I it's say just it right? Something about the you like. I, I don't really. I I heard it in there. It's like this. You you uh you accentuate like a certain part of that word. And like I want to say it like you. It's like a fun place. You just have to practice. But anyway, so like you know, obviously knowing like the Northern Speed guys, you get kind of an insight onto what's happening there because they have yep. friends in Hubei Province. <clears throat> And they fucking locked people in their condos and apartment buildings from the outside. Oh, my God. Like, I, you know, people, there, there was places that weren't as crazy where they weren't feeling the need to do that. But they were still, you know, by law telling you to stay in. Like, there's a guy that's taking photos at CSCS that stayed in, the, in his apartment for 56 days straight. I bet you that's did not, lovely. Did, did not leave his fucking apartment for 56 days. And they were still shut down for like two and a half months, right? So how the wow. fuck long is it going to take over here yeah. to get in a spot where we can have festival-style events when everyone is everywhere still? I'm I'm just worried for these these motorsport these small motorsport um, you know associations and grid life. I mean, to a lot of us, it seems like this bigger than life entity but it's not it's, not. it's tiny it's totally they, not. they're not going to be able to eat all these events like i'm, I'm really worried yeah. about what the other side of this looks like is it even going to exist i i think i think it's honestly possible that it, series will go out of out of business the only thing i think that will wind up saving it is if we do manage to get some semblance of a season like let's say by august we're racing again i think a lot of venues are going to be hungry to have like events for sure. Place. So I'll say to the I'll say this to you, Chris. So let's say you can get Labor Day weekend Midwest Festival. Fuck, that sounds fun. Yeah. Um, if there's still twenty five thousand or thirty thousand active cases in the U.S., how do you have a ten thousand person event without having the whole fucking thing? Go I don't know. Again? It, it's going to be like, hard. I, I mean, even if they can have some smaller events to at least keep them alive i think midwest is the only thing that's ever made any money ever yeah that's tough (laughs) yeah that's like the only thing that's ever made any money it's tough it's terrifying it's it's that's off the record 100 percent. that's off the record but yeah no i mean i was having those same conversations with chris and it's 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 terrifying um that's i i hope the community really as long as everybody doesn't cancel i think we're gonna be okay yeah so it we well, like Louis- I saw the email Louisiana, like, oh, you know, we'll do refunds for the NCM event. I'm like, I hope nobody does a fucking refund. Yeah, you're a dick if you like, do a refund. <laughs> you yeah, have no idea the damage you're doing. Yeah, like this series is just not going to be there. Like, if, if if everybody says I I want a refund, it, they're done. But if everybody yeah. says, you know what, I'm going to eat the cost, and even if we don't get a full season, even if we don't get a Midwest, I'm not going to cancel my. No. I'm not going to ask for a refund for that. Nope. If that means no. that grid life can be there again next season, fuck, I'll I'll stick around, whatever. Exactly. If a person could have afforded to go to the event, they can afford to not go to the That's event. That's where I sit with it, too. Yeah. I would rather them keep the money and the event be there next year, even though I can't make it. And I think the majority of grid like um, competitors, at least, will think that way. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm worried about the, the thing that actually makes the money for grid life. And that's the acid yeah. out in the field. <laughs> yep. You know, it, I don't know if the drug, I just don't, I just don't see like Louisiana had a thousand cases, right? So we consider, you know, a thousand cases in the state compared to New York state sure. pretty low. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, they have Mardi Gras and a week later they have 6,000 cases. 
Yeah, well, like, yeah. fuck. Uh-huh. That's fuck. Yeah. No, it's... I it's... just don't understand. Like, Midwest Festival would be just a fucking breeding ground. People from all over North America there um, oh, and just partying. Of course, and then nobody, let's be real, nobody out in general admission uh, washes anything that entire weekend. No. no. Nothing at all. <laughs> I don't usually have a shower. No, you don't got time for that. <laughs> no. There's no time for that. There's partying and driving. I smell then- so bad when I come home from that event. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. I usually have a shower when, right when we're about to leave because I don't want to smell myself so old driving. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, you all put up with my smell all weekend. I don't want to put up with that. That's fair. <laughs> oh, man. I don't, I just don't see how it's gonna happen. I don't see how it's gonna happen until they have a fucking uh, antivirus thing for the shit. Well, yeah. they even said like it it may it may subside a little bit in the summertime, but now they're saying they're... there's places that are hot that are running rampant. Are, are, yeah, they... are you ready for a little tinfoil hat to hear though? Okay, I'm not. There is a, a there's a bit of a rumor going around, and this isn't just. This isn't just me. This is a lot of people who are saying this, and I sound really Trumpy right now, and I hate it. Um, <laughs> but um, fucking it's not what I'm trying to do here. Um, that this has actually been around a little longer than we thought it has been. Um, and but they they can't prove it because there's not a test to test if you've already had it yet. But yeah. one of the the one of the the theories right now is: Do you remember how many people got sick at PRI? everybody and i mean like yep. everybody got sick yep. the theory right now is a bunch of us already had corona and we don't yep. even realize it. but the question but the question is if if that many people got sick at pri like if you held a pri right sure. now people people that went to pri would die within 10 days yeah but it could PRI. be a my, my wife like my wife almost virus. went my wife almost yeah. went to the hospital due to it like she caught whatever yeah. i got at pri we almost had to take her into the emergency room. It was really bad, and it was exactly the 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 same symptoms of of current coronavirus. Well, I, I read a I read a paper that they were they've actually proven already that they think that the actual virus didn't come from China. They think that it actually came from the U.S. because there, when the paper was produced, there were five mutations of the virus. And the U.S. was the only location that actually had all five strains of it. Wuhan only had three of the strains. I wouldn't doubt it. So they were, they were really, yeah, they were really surprised. Apparently, I, I don't know a lot about viruses, but apparently that's really rare for a virus. Like, for the only thing it that could have happened is it could have mutated here. That's true. Yeah, usually the origin point usually always has all the mutations, whereas the other places have only some of them, basically, or something along those lines. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's been around for, for a little bit longer than people think it has. No, and, no. Uh, but they are saying that apparently they expect it to kick off like in a second phase in the fall again. They, they do expect that there, there will be some, like the social distancing measures will kind of slow it down through the summertime. Not the heat, but the social distancing. Mm-hmm. But then it'll come back in the fall again, right? Because they'll start to relax all that stuff. And then basically it'll go back to where we are now i just i just think that if january let's say that it's happened the way we think that it's happened okay. the way that it's stated that it's happened if on january 15th you would have said we're closing the borders and everyone's staying in their house for 14 days we would have laughed at you 
since then. <laughs> I would have the laughed at you. <laughs> I know. I know, but when Italy was fucking, when 60 doctors no, died sir. in Italy. No, you're right. No I'm just saying, at that right. point, we ought to win. like, what? Yeah. Yep. And, you know, we're shooting you if you're in the street. In the foot, and then you can go to the hospital. <laughs> Not in the right? U.S. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I'm just, and I know it's impossible, but if it did, then all of North America would have been open for the rest of the summer. Open for business. Yeah. Maybe. But instead. Maybe. Because the virus, like, just because it doesn't spread doesn't mean the virus goes away. The second, the fr- no, I'm saying if they would have done it before there was a single case here, and then done the 14 day quarantine to confirm that there's no case, you would here, you would have had to have had China fresh. do it. At the, at China would have had to have done it right at the beginning at a much more aggressive rate because it's it spread from the, like from that kind of Wuhan. You're, you're saying that there was probably more cases by the middle of January here than we yeah. Had. And the biggest problem was yeah. is like. They say the reason why it's been such a hard virus is because most of the people who are the most infection uh, or most infectious are asymptomatic. Yeah. You don't yeah. even know that you're no. sick. You don't even get sick. You're just you don't even have a fever. You just run around with it. Yeah. And that's that's one of the biggest problems. You sneeze because of allergies. You think I mean, it's, it's the winter. Even if you do feel yeah. a little under the weather, you're like, it's kind of blah outside. I need some vitamin D. You know, sun's crap. Yeah. You know, that you yeah. just that's all you really feel and that's that's the yep. scariest part about it yeah like most most people just like don't even know and then basically that's that's the end of it and it that's why they're saying like when when they start relaxing a lot of these social distancing measures it's like they have to do it because obviously the economy is grinding to a halt but at the same time it's it's just going to spread again because like nobody really knows they have it and to your point jim like they probably won't be solved until they have a, a at least a a way of fighting it or a vaccine. Yeah. Really at this point. I, yeah. we're, it's just, it's going to be nuts. Until the vaccine. My tinfoil hat aunt says you just blow an, uh, a hair dryer up your nose, but she's <laughs> fairly, she's a very high level of tinfoil they, hat. They've had some really, they've had some really good success with the plasma transfusions and they're doing it a lot in the UK and uh, in other places where they basically take the plasma for someone who has recovered. And apparently it gives you immunity and helps you fight the virus for like upwards of somewhere between like four to six weeks, basically. So, so what they need is about a hundred thousand of those, uh, what is it? Oh, negative people. Yeah. Go and just volunteer. To just, get we're going to suck them dry. Them. Put them all in one spot, get them infected. 95,000 people live. <laughs> fuck. And just start pumping they just pump, pump them dry every day, basically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just pump them, just pump them right dry. That's genius. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> and on that note, let's start our podcast. Oh, sweet! <laughs> Welcome to episode something, Chris. I don't even know how many episodes we've done now. We've got because we had the two parter there, so I guess we're on episode five technically now. Episode season two, four. Yeah, but episode two was two parts, so we're kind of okay. Episode yeah, five yeah, episode now, right? five. yeah, let's call it episode five. Let's do it. So we've got Eric Dewey Dewitt on the line today. Eric, welcome. Hey, what's up? And, uh, you know, he's probably got one of the most well-known street mod cars in uh, in North America right now. And uh, the development on that car has been very steep. And uh, by the end of the season there, it was posting some uh, almost, you know, times that might have been unimaginable the year before. So welcome. Really happy to, to have you on and, and look forward to hearing a little bit more about your story. Well, I'm happy to chat with you guys. I've been uh big fans of both of you guys for a long time. You're uh you're uh both 
people I looked up to when I first got into this, and it's uh, it's awesome to be able to chat with you guys. So you started with uh, what? Was <laughs> yeah, it was. She's uh, my wife now, but at the time she was she was my girlfriend. I we got her a silver STI because she needed a daily, and I, I it's really easy for me to keep a Subaru running because it's uh it's what I do for a living. So, um. We, we got her an STI. She went on a silver 05, and that's what we got her. And then I stole that car from her to go to a track day. Um, and that was that was my first grid life event. I did an HPDE thing there. And I realized that some of the times I was turning with this mildly modified STI were pretty close to what uh, the, the street mod times um, of that era. So, I uh, yeah, I decided to do Time Attack the next year, and the rest is history. But yeah. So did you get your wife something nice when you um, stole her car? I got her some dents in in that car, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I smacked a tire wall with it. I, I ate that car alive. Um and then every time something would break, it'd just get more and more race car. Uh you know, I ripped AC out and all it by the time I, I finally did well, she doesn't quite have it back yet. It's uh it's currently with uh Al's auto body, those uh they're they're running, running around the pits, uh, with that, uh, that S four that they bring out for street mod, but they're, uh, they're fixing it up for me. And, uh, last picture I saw, it actually looks really nice, which means I'm not allowed to drive it anymore, <laughs> but, uh, it, it's, it's, it's coming back together. She'll have a nice car again. Um, I just bought her a brand new cross track though. And, um, I got a BRZ as a trainer car. And then, uh, obviously the, uh, the Impreza L that I, I, I bought from a, uh, a Canadian, actually, um, Brandon Cocker. Uh, he was the guy I got the the chassis from, and then then took that from a track mod slash Global Time Attack Limited car back into street mod. That was a that was a pretty good purchase. Um, that uh, you know had a lot of nice parts on it and stuff like that, and the cage was done already. And uh, you know he's a been a buddy of yeah. ours for a while, so we were happy to see that kind of stay in the family and and you know kind of now doing some very impressive the uh the only part of that car i got unfortunately was the chassis (laughs) i didn't get any of the suspension i kind of had a a front subframe in there the rear was completely gone all the parts were gone but it gave me something to to start with um but you got the cage cage the cage is worth the money right there the yeah the cage alone was worth it i i I looked into who did the cage and you know, it was, it was good stuff. So I'm uh, I was super happy with that pickup for sure. I had another GC I was, was going to do a, uh, do a nice cage too, but the, you know, this, this popped up about the same time I was getting quotes for cages and it just didn't even make sense. So why not? Yep. And it was nice to see that car actually continue as well. Cause Brandon actually messaged me when I think when you guys first started talking and he was like, Hey, do you know who this Eric guy is? And like, you know, do you know anything about him? And I'm like, oh yeah, no, he's, he's... he messaged me. And I'm like, who the yeah. fuck is this? <laughs> oh, Dewey? No, no, yeah, he goes by Dewey, and he's a good guy. And definitely sell your car to him because I want to see this car keep going and and not wind up, you know, in someone's backyard or in someone's garage. One of two things would have happened with that car. It would have it would have rotted in somebody's garage, or some fuckboy yeah. would have ended up with it, and it would have turned into, you know, it, somebody would have stanced it. It would have been terrible. I guarantee it. A hundred percent. And then, and then instead you decided to join the, I crashed my car at M1 Concord. Yeah, dude, it's the best. <laughs> I mean, I never knew. 
<laughs> I never realized, man. Chris, we're all we're Chris, all in that club together, right? Yeah. <laughs> Chris, you're 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 the only part of the club that's not in the cool club. Dewey and I went faster than we <laughs> after you, I, you I hit done. that thing and yeah, I, I could not believe we put it back together. It's still in that form. I, I have yet to fix any of it. It's still just duct taped together. I've got Home Depot like strips of aluminum with, with self-tapper screws just kind of making a skeleton. Like it's it's really bad. <laughs> Dude, it's April. You're supposed to work on your car I, I know, car. but then all this crap I'm not allowed to work time. on my car till after first of the year, unfortunately. It's just kind of the way things work. And uh we're moving shops, so we've got a lot of stuff going on and my car just sits at the shop and I'm about to pour a pile of money into it and then all this crap happened and it doesn't make a lot. You say all these things, but if there was an event coming up in two weeks, all of a sudden it would go I, full ham. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping I can I can convince the full hamness um, earlier this time because, man, so last year I bought this car. I, I put like maybe a week's worth of work into it, and then I had to go under the knife for uh, – I, I had a, a tumor um, that – it's basically in my head. It's not a brain tumor. It grows off from my, my auditory canal area and pushes towards my brain. So it had to be removed. Um, so I had to go get surgery on my head that took me out for like two months of the time I was supposed to be working on this. The second they were like, okay, you can go back to work and kind of function like normal. It was nonstop, no sleep, slap this thing together as fast as humanly possible. <laughs> and that's, that's I don't think that that's what they had in mind. No, they're like, you know, you can ease back and work. I'm like, race car right now. They were, when I told them what I needed, they're like, so what do you do for work? Oh, I, you know, internet sales for stuff. And like, oh, okay. So, uh, you know, do you do any sports or anything? I'm like, oh, yeah, I, uh, I, I drive race cars. And uh, this is just kind of something I need to, to get sorted out real quick. Oh, okay, cool. When's your next race? Oh, in like a month. They're like, I, I don't know if you can do that or not. Well, we're doing it. <laughs> this is happening. So you do your best to get me back in order. Yeah, the physical therapy sucks. And you're like, oh, and during this time, I'm also, uh, weren't you buying a new yes, house? Yes, I was buying a new house and having a baby all all during that same time period. It was uh, it was rough. I don't know how my wife stayed with me. I would have I would have murdered me. <laughs> <laughs> You can't murder. Yeah, a see, with I a brain do, I, I'm it's not. She won't let me blame anything on the tumor anymore. It's not fair. It was such an easy out to anything. Oh, it's a tumor. <laughs> Sweetheart, I didn't hear. Well, what you now said. I get to pull that because I'm deaf in one ear. Oh, so you still mm, that's, that's what you know. If I'm gonna, I tell you what, I get the best sleep. If I lay down on my 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 good ear. So my dead ears up. I can't hear anything. It's it's glorious. Is it is it completely zero nothing? Zero, I we don't even think the nerves connected. Um, so it's it's gone gone. Oh, wow. Which uh, for a car that's as loud as mine, um, I remember the first time I met you. I wish I would have been deaf in that ear because your exhaust was still coming out of your door. We we're at uh we we're at Mid Ohio and they pulled me right next to you. So coming in my driver's window was your exhaust. <laughs> oh my it god loud, was it <laughs> that, was, that was the end <laughs> i don't think you've never been to toronto motorsports park but they have uh lots of weekday test days and stuff like that that are actually sanctioned cool. by the track and uh 
So it's really easy to get out for testing anytime you need. They do like Monday days, uh, Wednesday nights, Friday days, Friday nights. And then there's usually like people that have rented the track okay. on the weekends. Um, but they don't, it's not mandatory. So it is amazing <laughs> when you're coming up on someone the first time. And when, when the door, when the yeah. exhaust was through the door and you're on the driver's side and, or sorry, you're on the left side of them passing them and they have no helmet on and they don't know what to expect. And you can, if you peek over as you're going by, you can see the panic to get their hand up to their ear. As you go by. It's like, I can't imagine being on a race track. Probably everyone I ever passed like that has permanent damage. I just can't imagine being on any form of a racetrack without a helmet. That's, that's like mind blowing to me. Yeah. I think that, uh, I, I think Chris, if, if you, um, I think it was due to different ethnicities and not, uh, you know, some people not being forced to, because, uh, um, I think even the police here don't have to wear like the police hat and stuff like that because they were just very uh, multicultural and very into, you know, not forcing people into anything. So they, I think that the, the helmet and the car thing came oh, okay. at the same time as that whole yeah. legislation. Yeah, they do um, enforce it. So, if you yeah, have somebody so, in the car with a helmet, everybody has to have a helmet. So that, that is something yeah. that they do enforce. But yeah, they don't, they don't force you to put a helmet on if you go on track, unless the car is like a race car in which case you know i mean the, the guy will kind of come over and be like hey i'm sure there's like if you're with any form of sanctioned body too they're gonna be like hey if you got a cage wear a helmet kind of thing yeah any well, of that but if you're just doing yeah local track days it's only it's it's only like it's only like the yeah when the track puts it on you most most lapping days that go there require it not all um it's i remember when professional awesome came the first time they're like, people are standing on the wall. People are on the track with no helmets. They're like, this is like the Wild West out here. They're like, we didn't know we were going to go north. I want to come out to some of you guys' events really bad. I got to get my uh, situation sorted with uh, with Canada. Um, but as soon but Yeah, I'm kind of – I may like or may what? not have a little bit of a warrant up there for a uh, – Hey. <laughs> um, it's it's really not that great. I had a uh, a radar detector and didn't realize I wasn't supposed to have it when we were making a really stupid trip around Lake Huron. Um, yeah, and then I'm like, well, it, it wasn't even a just pay your ticket. I had to show up for court, and it was it was in Sudbury, which was the furthest part away from where we were. Yeah, that's there's no close way to get from. And I'm like, I just don't think I'm gonna make this. <laughs> I was so poor then. There's no way I could have afforded that anyway. So, um, I should probably get that sorted now. They're probably nah. No, yeah, they definitely don't. Think I don't. Think I they doubt forgot. they forgot. So I, I don't mind paying it if I got to go up there and do a night in the <laughs> clink. I'll do it. If it means I can go. <laughs> no, you should get it sorted out because we're we're doing some. There's some rowdy things going on in Canada. It's, uh, it's, oh, I've uh, looked at some of, of you guys' tracks, too. They look amazing. It's just, yeah, I've, I've never had a reason to go back to Canada until now. <laughs> I had to send a buddy to go yeah, get my car. The, the time attack tracks are, are are not as nice as some of the other tracks. Like, our, you know, our Toronto Motorsports Park, is a, it's, it's fun. It's a good sure. track. It's definitely... Um, it's seen better days. You've been to Michigan. Um, you've it, been to Gingerman, though. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> you need to come. You need to come to TMP because if you think Gingerman, is that's bad, what I like to hear. Come to TMP. We don't have we don't have functioning washrooms. You don't TMP, need none of that. So. You don't need any of that. 
I think they got that back together, Chris. <laughs> I think they got them working again. No, they didn't. <laughs> I thought at the end of last season they got them No, working. we went right at the end and like or I guess before we went to um, M1 and they were still not. You can run a grid light festival there with that. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I have I have a I, I think that it's just the coolest time attack track though because it's you know maybe the only track where where anyone actually cares about that you can go to in North America where you can stand in pit lane and see the whole That's pretty cool. whole facility. Now that that does mean that it's yes it's a bit flat and it's not, you know, it doesn't have any trees or anything like that. But the fact that you can, you know, you have your buddies out there helping, you know, dial in and stuff like that and be able to kind of yep. see the attitude of the car and see what it's doing the whole way around. Uh, That's one of my favorite parts of uh, PPIR. Um, Even though, unfortunately, that track isn't, like, super popular yet, I'm hoping Gridlife can actually breathe some life into that. But that is a really cool track because it's a – it's kind of a small roval. And from the – from pit, you can see everything. And, I I mean, everything. It it would make an awesome, awesome um, track to do the uh, bracket battle style stuff on. Uh, I. Oh, that would be. I've been trying to pitch doing grudge brackets there. Well, if it still happens this year, it's a, it's on our it's on our list. Oh, it's going to be fun. If it still happens this year. We're super super pumped about that. I heard the drifting was. Oh, it was nuts. Last year, they, they, you could, did did yeah. you hear the story about Adam talking setting up the the nighttime drifting? So he walks up no. to the owner of the track, and this is how cool the owner of the track is. He walks up to the owner of the track, and he goes, "Hey, uh, you know, we got this kind of hole in the schedule, and like the." We don't have enough people over there in the the music area and whatever. What, can we just run drifting? And it's like eleven thirty at night. And the response was, <laughs> "Well, do you want me to bring out my flame truck or not?" <laughs> so <laughs> drifting's happening, and there's all these lights, and it's just crazy, and people are losing their minds. And the concert's happening behind the drifting, so the concert's going on with the drifting. And in the background, you see this like semi with these smokestacks just blowing these like fifty foot flames out of it. It was insane. It was like something out of Mad Max. It was seriously one of the coolest things ever. And I I don't even get into drifting. That was awesome. Yeah, no, I, I really hope to, that that event can still go on in some form this year because uh, everyone that went there, it's just, it sounds like yeah. the early days of Gingerman. It sounds like it just had the vibe, yeah. and I just want to go out there. I, I, I could see that growing into something huge, and I think it's close enough to uh, entice some of the West Coasters who believe that the only thing on the planet is California and uh, maybe get them to come out our way a little bit and uh, meet in the middle. Yeah, I could see that. Make sure yeah, you got the cooling figured sure. out on your car, though, because, whew, man, that was brutal. I, I was figuring I was going to be down on power. I might have to play with a tune, you know, something funny like that. But uh, I was not prepared for it, how your your heat exchangers just do not exchange heat with that thin of hair. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. No, that's uh, that's too funny. Well, Dewey, tell us a little bit more. Let's hear a little bit more about the um, the development sure. of the GC, and uh, you know, kind of, kind of what you guys have done, engine-wise, turbo, and stuff like that, and then leading up to some of these uh, brutally flat, fast laps that you did uh, towards the end of the season there, because it's uh, 
That lap at Road America was just <laughs> bloody rowdy. That, that was so. The the, when I built this car, I, I'd always been looking at street mod. I, I when I was playing around in street, I the whole goal this whole time was street mod. I and I've never had a goal of going past street mod. I I don't care about track mod or unlimited. It's not something that, not that I I don't have the utmost respect for those classes. It's to me, street mod was always something that was going to be very applicable to not only what I like to do, but the stuff I try to sell. So it, it, it works really well for that. So street mod's always been interesting to me. So what I'd always wanted to do is build a, a maxed out rule um, it, it, weapon for that class. Graham had built, who's, who's also my tuner, um, Graham has been killer these these few years, but uh, Graham won his class by almost a landslide with a kind of the same concept of car, which is his was a, a, a GR STI, so a, a 2011 STI with um, a, a, a basically built engine and a, a Borg Warner 8374 and the supporting mods around that. Very basic aero. The car was still really, really heavy, but made a decent amount of power. And that's power that we've we've gotten really good at um at six star making for our street uh our, our street customers so our guys who just run around for their you know their their weekend cars and things like that mid 500 600 super easy for us to do and, and keep really reliable but uh which is which is tough to say for you know like typically subarus um, at you know, past that 500 wheel horsepower mark, they start to get really um, difficult. So if you're able to go into the upper fives and even into the sixes and still be really reliable, um, that's a you it's know, that's something that it took a lot of trial and error to figure out. But you know, we've been at it for a long time, um, and it was one of those things I wanted to prove we could bring something to the table and and you know run a Subaru at 600 horsepower that wasn't completely insane. Um, Either way, so I'd been looking at Graham's car and going, how could we do this better? Well, the first thing was we needed a lighter chassis. I always knew I wanted to do a GC anyway, but I it needed to be the right chassis. And Brandon's car ended up coming up. Because the GR would weigh... The GR would weigh. I'm pretty sure, yeah, with driver, he was about 3,500, and that's even if we were to go really, really hard and keep it within yeah. class rules, I bet you the lowest we could get his car to would be like 33, if we we're lucky. Um. We, <laughs> due to the uh, very shortened time frame of how long I had to put this car together, I never actually got a corner balance, so I have really no idea about what it weighs. I got a oh concept, <laughs> um, but I knew I could cut probably about five to 600 pounds out of that immediately. Um, so we, we were probably around that 2,800 pound, and then with driver, probably about three, um, which, which... I think we ended up a little lower than that, but that's what I was aiming for. So we'd knock a bunch of weight out of it. The car's physically smaller. Um, I really don't like the multi-link suspension of the uh, 08 and ups. They they have some really weird quirks where they do funny toe out things at goofy times. And uh, so the old Max Strut, even though it's uh, it's it's kind of an archaic, crappy design, I know how to make work for me. Um, so the the GC worked well. Um, so we. Uh, we, we kind of had the formula of what we wanted to do, but um, area under curve is everything when you're talking about this this type of uh, this type of project. You want to get the the most power for the widest power band you possibly can. So what I ended up doing is instead of going with a two five, which 
really doesn't like to rev past 8,000 RPM and honestly doesn't like to rev past 7,000 RPM reliably. And I, I, I looked at what CanJam was doing with their two liters and uh, decided to kind of take some of what I've learned with two fives and apply it to a two liter and run a, a plus two millimeter rod two liter to uh, help the rod ratio out a little bit and just rev its nuts off. Um, so it's really happy at 8K. Um, we were really worried about there being enough oil pressure up there. So we, uh, we got in touch with daily engineering and, and got their dry sump kit for it. Um, unfortunately we, uh, we were still new with a hall tech, so we weren't able to get past 8,200 RPM, um, throughout the season. We figured out why, but we should be good, uh, with the bottom end that out front built for us, uh, for somewhere around 9,500 to 10,000 RPM. And it, yeah. Um, and the wow. thing is, that's why we put that gigantic hot side on that that turbo. And we're just going to run till it, it the turbo isn't happy anymore. Um, as long as we don't go past uh, wheel speed or we, yeah. you know, the turbo isn't just diving. Um, that was the plan. Uh, is just rev its nuts off, and then I put a really short ratio gearbox behind it, and uh, the combination works. And obviously, um, and and that was that was the approach I took instead of you know just trying to get crazy power. It was take a look, you know, take a step back, look at the entire picture of this, and and pick the parts that make the most sense to make the most area under curve in the area you're going to use it. And uh, that's how I ended up with a two liter. And I still I because of this, Graham loves my car so much he ripped his two liter out almost or his two five out almost immediately and bought the exact same two liter I have. So Graham will be on a two five. Yeah, Graham will be on a two liter also. No kidding. No kidding. That's impressive. I think it's the right choice because his two five you know, is working. I, I, well. I, I think we've we've seen this from a lot of different. Uh, competitors that two five motor just doesn't seem to really it's it's an na motor that got shoved into uh turbo duties so they could make 300 300 on p91 octane gas you know that's that's the reason it happened it it wasn't because it was a better engine it's because it accomplished this very you know narrow goal of what they needed and uh it it just it has a ton of problems the cylinder walls are really thin that you know it it really doesn't have the the greatest head gasket design you know there's there's a lot of serious problems with it and the rod ratio is awful it's terrible oh for sure yeah yeah and and it's they want to make a lot of torque it's hard to it's hard to turn the torque down on those on those engines and at the end of the day that's what's going to kill your gearboxes. That's what's going to cause you to have issues with your mm-hmm. head gaskets because of the cylinder pressures and like all of these problems. That the the funny part that, about this that. is, um, it, I make, I, I made three or four more peak torque <laughs> than, than Graham did. And, and like 10 more horsepower. He, his turbo did, you know, come on boil probably about 400 RPM sooner than mine, but, I had no problems just revving way past where he was and it, it being happy. So it, yeah. that's really what did him in. He's, he, I, I had identical area under curve, even though I had to stop revving at 8,200 RPM. Next year, I'll be able to uncork that and really uh, utilize more of it. But uh, it, it wasn't stopping at all. Can't wait to hear the Oh, man, I'm so excited. <laughs> we did a couple of dyno pulls after we figured out what we were doing wrong. And uh, it was... Uh, it's it's glorious. <laughs> <laughs> no, that'll be uh, that'll be really cool. 
And what are you guys doing for Gearbox on that? Thing? Yep, it it's like it's a, a uh, it's STI that one is a version whatever. nine STI gearbox. So it's unlike the U.S. domestic market or the North America domestic market. Um, terrible uh, earlier gearboxes where the the first or fourth was actually designed for a a two liter with an eighty two hundred RPM, and the fifth and sixth was designed for gas mileage. You have this huge gap between fourth and fifth. Um, you take that same gearbox and you take the JDM fifth and sixth and stick it in there. Then you end up with, with that ratio essentially. And that's what a version nine box is. And it's uh, the, the shorter gearing is really nice. Um, it feels like I, once I hit fourth, I feel like I just keep pulling fourth gear. It's so nice <laughs> when you're on a, like road America or road Atlanta. That's awesome. I mean, I was hanging with Chris down the straight. So that yeah, I, <laughs> I was pretty that. proud of myself yeah, there. <laughs> I was like, holy crap, like he, he's, he's got some power there. Because like, usually that doesn't really happen. Man, I wish I could have seen the rest of that weekend out. Um, we we ran into our first ugly failure there. Uh, we had two, uh, yeah, I mean, you're going to, with a new new setup like this and you're learning stuff, um, you're going to you're gonna find weak points. And uh, we found our first one there. Uh, we we believe that maybe a bearing got damaged when before we had the dry sump put on because we didn't have all the pieces of the dry sump for that event where we kind of just went on a testing run at Gingerman, and we think uh, we think turn nine at Gingerman uh, maybe slightly hurt our um, hurt our motor there and we've been fighting it that whole time. Uh, but then uh, after we got that sorted out, um, the Unfortunately, our dry sump uh, gave us some issues at Road America, where I set that time and literally the lap coming back, I, I went into the pits and R- Abe was running up to my car to go, holy crap, you just ran a, you know, a, a 221 and then crunch. That was my idler. It, my dry sump is actually powered by my my timing belt and the bolt that holds one of the idlers broke. So I, I, it jumped timing and the, the oil pump stopped. So I, I ate a bottom end and ate my heads all at the exact same time. Oh my God. It was the the worst possible thing. I was so pissed. And that's why I'm switching off of that setup for this year. Um, I, I love having a dry sump. I just do not, I can't trust that design anymore. Yeah, that's scary, especially because it's tied to to the timing system. Like we had we had something similar happen to us at Road Atlanta this year where we pulled into the pits and the car shut off and I couldn't figure out why the hell the car shut off. And it was actually the Link ECU saying, oh, no, 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 you have no no oil pressure anymore. I'm shutting the car off. And luckily we we start I started the car. We drove it back to the pits and we had we had blown a turbo at that point. And uh we were finished putting the turbo on and Eric was had his head over on that side and realized uh, there's no belt on your belt is off on your drive. <laughs> and, and we luckily we looked at it in the data and it was, it literally, it happened right as we were turning like into where our pit. Oh, was. you, you got so lucky. Shot off <laughs> right there. Yeah. It was, it was literally, it was, the best time it ever could have happened and we got very very lucky but ever since then it's been like every time anything's going on you put your head in you check to make sure that that you know everything yeah it should be (laughs) it's 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 one of those things i I don't know if all drivers have this problem but i i definitely have this problem where i constantly question the information that's being given to me by my uh either my ecu or my dash um 
like there's no way that's what's going on Ah, whatever and then it it usually is and i'm getting burned in some way (laughs) so my (laughs) graham and graham and sammy the owner of six star they have all sorts of insane fail safes on this car so uh if if i do try to blow it off it uh it'll you know kill all boost i'll get like a four thousand rpm rev limit like they they just they make it all go away (laughs) which is probably fair (laughs) No, <laughs> like we can't no, I've gotten pretty good at turning the car off and turning it back on to see if anything comes back. Um, <laughs> but I don't like it when I do that. <laughs> this is not a five-year no. BMW after we get tune on here. You gotta, you gotta treat this thing with some love and devotion. It's 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 funny, you know. You, you're you guys are telling you not to do that, and Eric tells me to do that all the time. He's you know he'll be like, oh, dude, just reset it, hit it, dude. What are you worried about? <laughs> and I'm on the radio, like I think there's something wrong here. No, 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 just keep going. Just keep going. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yes, oh, man. I'm on fire. No, 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 no. If you go faster, yeah. the fire will go out. That's uh, that's <laughs> friction from the air going over. You're going so fast. Let's keep going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they they're constantly oh, on me. Man. You know, <laughs> dude. I was just going sure. back to the gearbox stuff. You know, I think that that's such a thing that is so missed. Yeah. By so many people, uh, I think people focus on strong gearbox, and I think they focus on making big power. Um, but I talk to people all the time and, you know, kind of a bunch of people know me as the, like the sure. ratio guy with Honda and K series stuff anyways. And they're like, what should I use for this and this and this? Cause with a K series, it matters so, many so much. Make. And, oh, it's such a, like, you know, everyone, when we went to the Dakota with the, uh, TSX this year, um, kind of everyone was like. You know, obviously the car was good in a straight. You're line. still my hero, by the uh, way. I want to let you know. <laughs> you won me some money. <laughs> oh you know, yeah, dude. Oh really? <laughs> oh yeah. But uh, you know that car um, compared to yeah. um, the blue S2000. Um, Adam told me that he was told by him that it went fastest of 130 on the back straight. We only went 132. Uh, but when you look at the way the car starts a race and you look at the way the car's gear ratio is, you would not say when you see the, you know, when I go back and watch those videos, it did not look like a car that was only no. two miles an hour faster down <laughs> one mile straight away. Like it looked like it was going to go 15 miles an hour faster, but the gearing is just so important. And we're really lucky with, with a K series stuff to be able to just mix and match. Like I have gears, um, from five different transmissions. See, you guys have that ability. The the problem with Subarus is we don't, we literally have kind of like a short ratio and a long ratio. So the, since I'm constantly building, that's just it. Since I'm constantly building engines anyway, because I have a Subaru, let's be real. I I just build an engine that works with the gearbox (laughs) instead of build a gearbox that works with the engine. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I think that, you know, if, if, if people can get something from this is, you know, when you look at your straightaway speeds at road America versus your power to weight ratio, it was just insane. And, you know, you go back and it's like, well, yeah, the area under the curve is really good, but you know what, that, mm-hmm. that sixth gear, that's not a big overdrive, crazy sixth gear or two. Oh, it's huge. And, and where I really noticed it the first time it was, uh, it was road Atlanta. 
Um, and I, it was in my, my silver car when we put the JDM fifth and sixth in that. And I, I was in six gear on the straight there. And that was, that was crazy to me. You know, that car, I had to shift at like 6,000 RPM cause you're living in this annoying little stock turbo. But, uh, um, it was, that was massive there. And it was, it was just night and day with the, uh, with compared to Graham's car versus mine, we were comparing like old data back and forth at like road Atlanta and things like that. And I'm murdering them by, you know, 10, 12 miles an hour on the straight. It wasn't even close. That's wild. Yeah. That's wild for a car. with. The and we have our, our, literally our setups are almost identical. Same turbo, same, uh, you know, same header, same turbo kit. Even, um, he's dual ABCS. I'm single ABCS, but, uh, you know, it was, it, we both had, uh, dry sumps, um, aftermarket intake manifolds, I, it, same injectors. It was so similar on, on our setups and how close our numbers were on the exact same dyno. Um, but how different the cars actually were. And don't get me wrong. I was beating them on power to weight. Yeah. You know, I was no, expecting I we were... five mile an hour. I was not expecting 10 to 12. Yeah. Yeah. 12, 12 is a lot. 12 is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know when you had told Chris, you told Chris how fast you went on the front straight at Road America. Yeah. Chris told me, and I'm like, the dog was eating. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Uh, and the worst part about it is I think I could have went a little bit faster, but I was so scared shitless that the car wouldn't stop at the end of the straight. So I was braking. So you, you'd see like the fifth. I was braking at the imaginary like seven. Um because I was just terrified it wouldn't yep. slow down. <laughs> um, man, that was a crazy track. So I've played that. I've played, you know, in Sims and stuff with that track a lot. So I kind of knew the basic layout. But it is was it just me or is that track like really claustrophobic in the end of the straights? Or was that just because I was going really fast and everything starts zooming around you? It's. I thought the in the second straightaway. Sorry, go ahead, Chris. No, yeah, yeah, you 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 go, you go. The in the second straightaway, yeah. and then down into Canada Corner. It it is kind of shocking how those trees are growing, especially that late yeah. in the season when the trees have really had a chance to grow, and those trees are almost feeling like they're growing over the track. My uh, my in laws live on a really nice street, and the trees completely like. Uh, you know, come right over the street in the, in the end of the summertime. And I felt like the same feeling there, which is. Oh, it's terrifying. Cool, it feels like you're driving into a tunnel. <laughs> yeah. Yep. At 170 miles an hour going into that. It's like, this is just kind of a weird feeling. Yeah. I felt on the front straight, it wasn't as bad, but yeah, through Canada corner, I felt like I felt as you went further, I just felt like the track kept getting tighter and tighter and tighter. It, yeah, and like, it, like, like you almost, it, it feels it, almost it, like you, it, have you ever passed out before? And when you, right when you're about to pass out, like everything starts getting black and kind of coming in. Like that's, that's what it feels like at the end of that uh, second yep. straight. It's terrifying. Um, yep. So I got a goofy question for yeah. you guys. Uh, the first car I ever drove in anger with Arrow was my, my GC that I have now. Was it like just a completely different thing for you guys? I had to almost relearn how to drive. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I experienced it probably the most I've ever experienced it this season. Uh, with that splitter that we put on the car, it was such a big jump from yeah. anything that we had run before. And uh, we, we've talked about it in a couple of other episodes, but... Um, like one of the big places I've started noticing it is at road Atlanta, like coming in through nine, yep. like over that hill before 
used to be so sketchy in my car, you know, and we were not going anywhere near as fast as we are now. You know, when we were going 140, 150 mile an hour, that felt like the scariest corner on track because the car was basically trying sure. to plow through there all the time. And then now with all the arrow on the car, you come through there and you're like, meh, it's not even really that big of a deal. You're setting up for your braking zone for 10. It's, it's, you know, no big deal at all. There's way, you know, um, yeah it's, it's almost like nothing really right and you're going i'm going 167 miles an hour right <laughs> um but yeah you definitely you you start to feel different about everything and it, it you have to trust in it and it's it's a weird feeling because it it doesn't you don't feel like you can go as fast as you can and then when you do you're like oh wow there's there's actually more here that and was that takes a while to, to really, really weird me I'm out, especially uh, turn 12 at Road Atlanta and turn one at Road Atlanta. That was that was crazy um, how much faster I could go through there. And every time I went a little faster and kind of got over that little hump of, oh, OK, I can go this faster here. It, it was just saying, oh, you could go faster and faster and faster. And you just kept finding time and time and time. And I, I, I can't imagine what it's like in you guys' cars, um, because mine in, in the class that I'm in, I'm really limited. Um, you guys can get wild, especially your front splitter, Chris. That thing is just, you know, <laughs> um, I, 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 I've seen videos from Jim's car and I, I will say, I think my car is crazy. Yeah. And then I see the videos from his and I'm like, Oh my God. No, I watched this road, uh, road America video and it was nuts. So, I'm like, how? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when we first when we first got the the new yeah. you know front wing splitter whatever you want to call it on um and we first we did a uh, a test day at the big track at Mosport um like the week before road atlanta uh for gta and we run like really crazy diff settings so the car sure. really like turns well under power um as long as the you know the front is loaded properly and with the new front wing, the car was loading the inside of the front tire so much crazier than how it was before. It made even like the diff feel weird. And then at the same time, it was the first time driving the car. Um, we had we tried for just a couple of events, uh, a Garrett 3584 yep. instead of the 3582 that we were using. And that thing hit later and harder. Um not just because of the more yeah. power, but just that's its characteristics were so much different than the 82. Um, so I go through, you know, kind of in my first lap in anger, uh, I'm going through turn two at Mosport, which, you know, a lot of people know it's crazy elevation, you know, really, really fast in that car. Um, and like on my first sighting lap, you know, broke wow. my previous best by five seconds. Um, and, uh, I got to power the first time in that car, in that corner, in that car, um, with all that front downforce, and the car actually turned in so aggressively, like I was expecting it to wash out a bit under power, and it turned in because I had so much wheel in it, um, and everything was working so well. I actually turned in too far, and the inside of the, um, you know, the titanium yep. rub strip that's on the bottom of the end plate, um, sliced like a. 25 foot long it looked like you used some sort of garden tool and like slice the dirt and the grass up because that titanium hangs down fairly far and it just sliced and diced the inside of the grass on that track because i didn't expect it to be able to hold its line that well so it's been a 
it's been a big learning experience with that car and kind of learning what it's going to do. You know, we put the 3582 back on after GTA Road Atlanta, and it really helped the car to be a lot more drivable. And, um, you know, it was just really good experience for us um, learning kind of how these turbos are going to change and kind of where the, you know, where, when is too much too much, right? And uh, looking back at the data, I'm I'm really bummed um, that we, that we did make that change because looking at the data and looking at minimum speeds, which were, you know, um, comparing to some other fast cars <laughs> that have posted their times, not mentioning any names. Um, you know, yep. minimum minimum speeds were faster. Uh, and we were running a higher power level from what we understand. And, you know, getting back into the throttle earlier as well, but that bigger turbo was laggy enough that we were yeah. still getting beat to the next corners usually. Um, so that was kind of a bummer to miss out on, on that record at GTA road Atlanta, knowing that we probably gave it up just in spool. <laughs> and it goes back to, you know, like yep. you guys, you're just selecting the right turbo for your application. We've got the, the 82 back on. And when we got the, you know, uh, the 82 back on after that, I went, Oh my God, this car feels like I just, <laughs> it feels like we just Night did a and day. day swap it or something like that. It just feels, <laughs> the motor just feels monstrous. And, and, you know, from there on out, um, you know, we were just, figuring it out better and better and uh you know by the end of the season um even though it wasn't anything you know crazy what we did at um speed ring with that car uh i look at you know other like chris will know like it's tough to make a oh big that track a it's tough to make any any gains but ring, right? unless the, you have prestigious traction where are you gonna find the like, time so it's, many, it, i get it <laughs> so so for us to have been you know um three and a yeah. half seconds slower than can jam the year before um and thinking like you know kind of we're just at that event to have fun and you know try to to be as good as we can be and and you know post the fastest front wheel drive time that we can um to go from there to being you know i think we were within like 1.3 seconds of them or something like that this year um just makes me really pumped not just about the arrow but um you know just the kind of development of the mm-hmm. whole car because it's you know as you know like you know just the same way with you going from you know your first event at, at gingerman in in june to the way the car was at road america these cars are tough no. to get figured out like we don't turn a lot of laps in these cars there's a lot of figuring out and it, it takes time you're not going to do this in one weekend and it, it's going to take them like, you know it, it's going to work i i had all of last season and i know where there's more time uh, the, you can really see the difference between the the few laps i got to turn in anger at gingerman at midwest festival cuz i ended up showing up there so late <laughs> i remember when i pulled the car off the trailer you're like that's not a street mod car <laughs> and then uh um and then uh then in the, the fall awesome. when uh we alex moss and i you know really really went to war oh my god that was so much fun Traded oh, that was so much fun that was um, wild. but how that much was better that car felt then and uh in i'm i it's easier for me to find time now which is kind of funny because after the car's starting to come together i i got a number in my head of what i think uh the end of the year is going to end on at gingerman if we all manage to get out there and it's uh it's it's going to be fast. Uh, and it's there's three guys you can run the time. It'll be me, Alex, or uh, or Sean. Um, our street mod has just gotten so crazy, and I, I still think 
we're the fastest three guys in the country um, in, in street mod in that on street tires and discussion um, for that, like rule set. It's I'm calling it, you know, I I really wanted to, (laughs) I really wanted to get that record versus Marcos at, uh, at Atlanta. And unfortunately um, that didn't come to fruition, but uh, we had, uh, we would have been there. Um, But, that that sucks, but uh, we're. That was a tough weekend, you know. When you look back at, um, you look back at, at some of the times from that weekend, and uh, you know, I, I'm looking. I like to compare th- this whole like entrance into GLTC is enlightened my eyes, and you know, seeing what some of these cars that aren't changing yeah. so much every weekend have ran at other events versus what they ran there that weekend. And that track was not in pristine, you know, in no. top setup to run the fast. No, and I, I but even then, I still believe that, that that glory session on Sunday morning, that was like the perfect temperature um, for a car setup that, a car setup like mine, um, I think I, I could have did something really, really devastating then. Uh, I think we could have went 28s, no problem. It's uh, it's really exciting to see what you guys have done in the development, uh, you know, of that class compared to, you know, even two, three years ago. Um, I, are, I, I still think it's funny it's, when they look back at awesome. Graham's times and they were all talking about, oh, Graham, this isn't a street mod car. This is so crap, yada, yada, yada. And streets running the times he was, you know, we're we're five seconds faster than he was everywhere. <laughs> it's just. Yeah, and it, was, it totally was, was, and he did. You, um, totally you know, I'm registering mine to drive around on the street. I'm going to take it to yeah. some meets and stuff just to I, – I, I'm going to have to take it to get ice you cream. Have to take that's it fine. It'll be ice cream ready. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's fun. Um, I, I, I thought that was kind of a cool rule personally. But uh, either way, everybody's idea of streetable is different. Um, it is. It's so subjective. And, and like, even when I was running in the street and, and our car was still very much a street car, people would constantly be like, oh, that's not a street car. And it's like, it's, it's, it's not the, the class. Name, they, it shouldn't be there. had the word street in the name of the class. Cause it's yep. not, it, it's, it's just a class. Exactly. It's a monkey it doesn't matter. You build, you build the car to the rules. So true. And if the rules say you can do something, exactly. you're not doing it. Well, that's your own fault. That you know, somebody else does it. That that's that's not they're doing something wrong. They're just my the my to the, the thing I've been trying to tell right? people and, is uh, street mod is not for street cars. It's for idiots, and uh, nobody listens. No. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a difference <laughs> with with street mod versus you know street or even in in some cases track mod where um, people build their cars for street mod with no intentions of going to a different class. They're building a street mod car. People build a street mod yeah. car, you know, and then people build an unlimited car. It's you don't get too many people who go full out in track mod and there's really not much you can do in street. Um, but street mod is like this, this weird war zone where this is it, people build the car for that class. And uh, I think some people are having issues coming to terms with that. You know, you, you have a lot of people in grid life where 
yeah. or just in time attack in general, there, there are two types of people who should be doing time attack. The, the bleeding edge tip of the spear nut jobs who'd sell their soul for a 10th, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or or I, I like the those, people I like who are out there for personal, <laughs> you know, uh, personal records, whatever they may be, you know, um, in, in, in they really want to do it in a timed environment. I love those guys too. That guy that's out there in that, uh, that Ford Festiva. I love that guy. Okay. That that's my kind of guy. And he, you never hear about him. He will never bitch about uh, rules or anything stupid, but then what we have lately is we either have the guys who are out there just trying to get stickers on their doors. And so they look cool at car meets, or you have these guys who are a little ways outside of the tip of the spear and they're mad that they can't figure out how to get there. And so they just start bitching about the rules. And those are the ones that really piss me off. Uh, they honestly, they just, you're, you're not in the right game. If that's what you're doing all the time you spend bitching, you should be figuring out how to make your car go faster, whether it's find funding to do it, learn how to do it your damn self, um, whatever you got to do, but it's and instead they just spend all day bitching. And, and and street is it's know, awesome. If you want to complain, street it's, it, is a great class. Yeah, it's really close too. I love street. Yeah, I, That's I one of my favorite no, classes, especially to watch. And, and yeah. if you're you follow Time Attack and you you watch street, it is street is so close. It's so entertaining. The speed ring was nuts. You guys all filtered into the the full bracket with no buys, so everybody had to race first round all the way through. And everybody was really close. Uh, the first, like, yeah. you know, top six or seven all had a shot at winning it. Yep. Driving Russ's, getting to drive Russ's car at that event was probably one of the most fun things. I've you uh, you proved something I've been saying for a long time cool too, to and that, that somebody's going to take a '90s um, Honda. They're gonna they're gonna put a proper K in this thing. They're not going to take the 2005 approach. They're going to take a 2020 approach to this and they're, they're going to hurt this class really bad. And nobody, everybody was blowing it off until you showed up with that thing. And, uh, now everybody's listening. Um, and it should, exactly. And it's usable because the car doesn't weigh anything. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I've been, uh, Chris, I, I know I've told you about it. I've been pushing Russ to go the ways that we have of, you know, figuring out the big tire. on. The you can have a 285 under there. Front wheel drive allows a 280. Yeah. Yeah, a 285, 3018 on the front of Russ's car, Chris. It'd be insane. It'd be, it'd be so, it, it'd be so good oh. they'd have to think up rules about yeah. it. And you know what? I hope, I, nothing is more awesome than getting yeah. a rule written about you because you're so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that that car with uh, you know Russ still enjoys driving that car in the street and stuff. Like if you are really pushing the limits of that car, um, I think that NA on a two eighty five thirty eighteen RE seventy one or whatever. I don't know that you know uh, ten nine is out of the question in the street, especially that car. You know, being so light and agile at a track like that, and if it was just you know, beastly in the terms of, it could be, it could be absolutely uh, insane and it it would be a hundred percent class legal. A hundred percent. And that, that would be one of those things though. Again, you'd have to get the, the, the ratios right in the box, you know, because we know from, 
you know, back in the day when you start putting those taller tires on the all motor cars, if you get those ratios wrong and you, you know, lose that ability, kind of get off the corners the way that you want, that can be a little bit detrimental. But this is one of those, this is kind of what I was saying. Don't take a 2005, like, you know, baby's first case series swap approach to this where, where these kids just throw some random, you know, RSX engine in and they're like, okay, it's swapped. We should be able to dominate the world. There's, there's more to this. If they actually put effort in developing that car, it it really could be devastating. If they even put, you know, uh, half the effort that, that somebody like Spaz has put into his Evo, which really isn't all that insane. They'd run his Evo down. No problem. It wouldn't even be a problem. Well, and that's the thing is, is like, None of the parts that are really like Russ's car is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was an off the shelf engine. It like the parts that are in it are not crazy expensive parts. Even the transmission, like it's mostly just OEM parts that you're kind of hobbling together to make the right gearbox. And it's it's really not that hard. And and most of the formulas, it's not even like it's a, it's a secret what what you know Jim has done or what you know Eric has done. Exactly, it's pretty well known like how to make power in those engines and how. To, pretty pretty cheaply right like it's uh it's surprising that other people haven't kind of tried to go down that path really and i think it's it's just you know it comes back to your point just like there i think there are a lot of people who are maybe resting on their laurels a little bit more or you know not optimizing to the class that they're in in the way that they 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 really should be and um you know you leave a lot of performance on the table when that happens and and you know it's it's a shame you know because that that's not time attack i think at the end of the day i think time attack is about really really kind of trying to figure out how to go faster whatever it takes or whatever it is uh, i think that's kind of whatever it takes you know sell your soul like that that to me is is time attack really you got to keep wanting to push forward it's it's vicious and it's but the thing about it is you know other than trying to do right i'm not gonna lie i've got my own uh i've i've got my own rivalries and i butt heads with people um and we all do but for the most part throughout the time attack community we all really support each other and and because the the tip of the spear guys we we all look at the other guy who's at the tip of the spear and even though he might be our direct rival he or she might be our uh direct rival um we're all trying to do the same thing and we can appreciate that. And that's something that, that I think those guys who are just outside of the bubble. They, they don't understand that. Um, so yeah, that's, you know, those are the guys who are going to cancel their, uh, cancel their, uh, grid life. Um, you know, cause it ain't going at the time it's supposed to. <laughs> well, and you know, people that are not wanting to, yeah. people that are not wanting to build the car to the rules in a certain way, because let's face it, time attack is, you know, for a lot of people, not everyone, but for a lot of people, it's about the wins and the records. And if you can't feel that, you know, you, that, that is the route that you're willing to take it to. Exactly. Uh, you always have the option to go and do something great like GLTC where you can, you know, you'll and I don't want to speak for somebody like, uh, there uh, like Jeremy Boysen, who is a good buddy of mine, but that's exactly the route he took. He's like, I got to be honest, time attack just ain't for me. <laughs> and he's like, I have so much more fun doing GLTC yep. that I, I'm yep. not doing time attack anymore. And that makes all the sense in the world. And he's having a riot, even though he's having a lot of bad luck over there too. He's having a ton of, more fun doing that than he was doing time attack and having a lot of the same issues, but just not having as much fun. You, you have to love time attack to, 
to really commit to it. Um, and that's that's something that I don't think a lot of people get when they first start trying to play around with it. No, I try to explain it to so many people, and it it even myself I struggle with it sometimes. Yes. because it really is a very binary sport. You either <laughs> win or you don't, and it and and it's 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 really because you know you either set that record that we're all chasing, and you got first place. Or you didn't, and it and there's very little in between, and and it's not like you have to almost kind of set up your own in between, so you don't always feel terrible when you're not, you know, breaking your record. There are very but few times is, you can go really home with it, a second place you know, and be okay time, with Chris, it, Chris. You know, I, Chris, if Adam Jabay were here right now, he would say it's not supposed to be about that. Bad boy, you're supposed we, to go, we, we try to get better, and enjoy yourself. We can't help it. I, I, I can't count on my hands how many times I've driven home from North Atlanta in complete silence with my father for 16 hours because we're both just like, "Yep, what the hell just happened there? We didn't get the record, right?" <laughs> it probably didn't hurt that you both. That's that's how Road Atlanta's always worked. I'm either coming home like the whole drive home. I'm 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 cloud nine. And I couldn't be happier, you know. Or I'm just I hate life. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just kind of one of those things. And I've learned now, like I, I will say now I, I try not to be that way as much to me. It's more, I enjoy the experience. I get, you know, getting to see everybody at the mm-hmm. track is to me more, almost more rewarding sometimes, but I'm not going to lie. I still want those records. And when I don't get them, it's tough. It's always a tough pill to swallow. Whereas in something like GLTC, it, you can still have a lot of fun being in the mid-pack. You know, you're sure. passing cars and you're you're getting to have that experience. A part of it's me is super happy that that, race, that outlet know, exists within Grid Life, too. So so people who aren't, you know, running on the bleeding edge of Time Attack, they, they have something else to maybe aspire to get into and have some fun with. Um, you know, if it wasn't there, you know, people would still want to participate yep. in Grid Life, but I think they'd just get angrier and angrier. <laughs> yeah i've come i've come home from road atlanta from a time attack event eight yeah i I, and i think one of those of the times i was doing time attack (laughs) it wasn't this last year but the year before was the only time i felt like i actually accomplished what i wanted to and that's that's when i was in the the street car and i ran that uh 37 that awesome picture of me and my silver car on one wheel going over three <laughs> that was I I'm I don't think I could recreate that that, cool. that lap again. I I don't think it's within my ability. Well, Chris, we've done it again. Yeah, we have. Yep. How's yeah. How's your 45-minute goal here, Chris? It's not doing good. <laughs> Talking with buddies is just too much fun. It was uh, it was a long hiatus, you know, being not doing this show. And, uh, you know, we've just been having a blast. And, uh, Dewey, it's been just fantastic having you on and kind of hearing your story. And uh, we can't wait to see how you continue to push the uh, – the boundaries of, of street mod in the future. Cause I think that, uh, you know, as I think there's a lot left already, on the table still. Um, you know, I think there's still a lot, a lot to come. Oh yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm fully expecting to see that 28. I, uh, I, think, I, I think hope we do this more. Do 
Uh, yeah, I want. I I think we got a 32 or maybe even a 31 at Gingerman's going to come. Probably not this year, but I think we're going to. I think you're going to see a 32 this year, That's and it so won't just rowdy. be me who runs it. I think we're going to have three cars on top of it. Yeah. Sean is a monster. He's just a fucking robot. Um. <laughs> so uh, this is great, guys. I want to, <laughs> if if we can, I'd like to do this more. And plus, I'd like to have both of you guys on when I get this damn talk show up and running. Yep. Oh, for sure, man. Cool. Yeah, that would be super fun. Yeah. That'd be super fun. Well, thank you so much for for being on, and we've had a we've had a blast. And um, you know, if people want to like, subscribe, share, do all those fun things that you do, um, we'd look forward. Keep it to up, it guys. And, uh, look forward to doing more po- podcasts in the in the coming weeks. Later. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks so much, Stewie. Take it easy. <laughs>